What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Dynasty Stock Market here on the Fantasy Stock Exchange. I've uh, got another awesome guest. You may know who he is from a couple of weeks ago, and that is my buddy Dylan Mazzola. Dylan, how you doing, man? I'm happy. I'm good to be back. I'm, I'm excited to talk football. You know, I thought I was only doing one video. Here I am again on two. You never know. So. Yeah, dude, I'm excited to have you on. Um, it was a lot of fun doing it a couple of weeks ago, so I, I knew I had to get you back on here. Um, and what better day than the day that the Flyers play, our beloved Philadelphia Flyers, I know. Um, got to shout them out, even though it's a football video. Still got to talk up our guys, right? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we got a pretty cool episode for you today. So we're going to go uh, round by round in a dynasty startup and highlight the player with the most value um, in that entire round. We're gonna limit it to 15 rounds. I know some people will have 25 to 30 rounds of a dynasty startup, but uh, yeah, we're not going that deep today. We're just sticking to the top 15. Um, so we'll start off round one. My favorite value target in round one of dynasty startups is going to be Chris Godwin for round one. He is teetering back and forth between a late round one and a late round two entry. Um, but there's uh, quite a handful of reasons why I like him at the end of the first round. First one being the fact that he's only 24 years old and wide receivers you typically have on your team for, quite frankly, as long as you want them to, especially since they last well into their 30s. Uh, getting a guy like Chris Godwin, who just finished as a top three receiver in 2019, potentially for the next 10 years, is absolute, absolutely absurd. I mean, you can't really ask for more from your first round pick in a dynasty. He's got the immediate production, he's got the longevity you're looking for, and he's in a really, really good situation down there in Tampa Bay with Tom Brady throwing in the ball. Uh, what are your thoughts on Chris Godwin? Um, I also like Chris Godwin. I think to highlight off what you said, he's in the ideal situation uh, currently with Tom Brady, and I'm sure whoever they replace with Tom after a couple of years, because Chris Godwin's so young, so he will see another quarterback in his career. I'm sure they'll bring in another good guy via free agency or draft. Um, he's a talented individual. He was good in college. He was even good his first couple seasons. You kind of saw him breaking out slowly but surely. I mean, no one anticipated this breakout, but we're all happy with it. Um, the fact that he's 24 is crazy to finish top three in a respected position at 24 is insane. So I think it's very smart to get a premium in a first round on a guy who can be the cornerstone of your dynasty franchise for seven, six years, eight years. Yeah, absolutely. And the big thing about Chris Godwin, too, is the fact that he was able to break out like that behind an uber talented guy like Mike Evans. Um, so having the capabilities of doing that, it kind of showcases that Godwin wasn't a product of opportunity. Um, he was a product of both opportunity and extreme talent. Um, and that's exactly what you want in your first round pick. You want a guy that's going to produce now, but you also want a guy that's going to produce for many years to come. And to me, Chris Godwin is probably the perfect balance to do that. Um, our guy in round two actually reminds me a lot of Chris Godwin in pretty much the same form of the words. He is young. He's only 23 years old. He has a long, long career ahead of him. He is arguably the most achieved 23-year-old receiver in the history of the National Football League, and that's going to be DJ Moore of the Carolina Panthers. Um, now, the short term it's a little cloudy with Teddy Bridgewater stepping in. We don't really know what that's going to look like, but apparently Bridgewater has been absolutely killing it in camp right now. Even if Bridgewater is only the quarterback for another year or two, I mean, DJ Moore just completely shined something fierce with Kyle Allen throwing him the rock in 2019. Uh, what are your thoughts on DJ Moore? 
Well, I'm not sure who I'd rather have him throwing the rock more, Kyle Allen or Teddy Bridgewater. But, <laughs> but like you said, Bridgewater looks good. So hopefully that's good going forward for anybody who has stock in DJ Moore or any Panthers. Um, but yes, once again, the age, the athleticism, the talent, and really, there's really no true competition for him on the team, not knocking any other individuals. He is clearly the guy, at least in Tampa, you could argue Mike Evans could theoretically take over Chris Godwin in points because he is talented enough to do so. Whereas there's no one else who's going to um, surpass or usurper DJ Moore on the roster. Um, and I think once again, to say like, you know, youth is there, the skills there. Um, if Teddy's good, Teddy's locked into a three-year deal. So short-term and long-term value is there and he's going to produce. He's going to, he's going to be top 10, top five in his position for the next couple of years. So I would lock, I would smash the, the draft button. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And even on the odd chance that you're playing in a redraft league and you're listening to this video, DJ Moore is more than capable of being your team's wide receiver one as soon as this year. So the fact that you can get that for the next however many years in 23-year-old 23, 23 DJ Moore, he is younger than both Dylan and I right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, that is, a, that is a smash, smash pick in the second round. And if you'll notice, the first two rounds, they were wide receivers they have the best value because let's face it, running backs are, they're only going to last until they're about 26 or 27 before they severely fall off in fantasy relevancy. I mean, these guys like DJ Moore and Chris Godwin, they're playing at such an elite level at only 23 and 24 years old, which is good for a young player. But the fact that they're starting off their, with their breakout at such a young age, it really mm -hmm. paints a nice picture for the rest of their careers. And having young elite players like that is absolutely imperative if you're going to start off your dynasty squad on the right foot. I cannot agree more. I mean, you can look around the receiver and count on more than one hand, more than two hands, really. There's a bunch of older receivers who are still relevant. Obviously, there's guys like Julio Jones, who, who, <laughs> who's leaps and bounds above everybody else. He's old and he's still very good. But there are even guys, you know, injuries aside, there's guys like T.Y. Hilton, A.J. Green, who talent's still there. Granted, injuries are there. But the point is, they're still able to, to carry out a level of play up until their age. Whereas running backs, when they hit that 30 age especially, they're usually not even on rosters half the time, let alone the lead back. So I do, I do like prioritizing receivers in Dynasty. Exactly. And that's why in round three – <laughs> <laughs> well that's why in round three we can finally move on to a running back because at this point you know round three round four whatever um these are guys that you're planning on you you want to have them for for quite a long time but these are guys you're probably only expecting to see three to four years of relevance relevancy for and my round three pick is actually going to be austin eckler um now this is if you would have told me that i would be saying this uh this time last year i would have called you nuts i wasn't someone who believed in austin eckler i didn't think he was really going to shine even half as much as he did with melvin gordon out last year and even when melvin gordon came back austin eckler really kept the uh yeah. pedal to the metal last year um, but austin eckler is a fantastic round three pick right now so he is currently signed for another three years under his contract and Clearly, the, the Chargers have not brought in anyone this offseason that would suggest Austin Eckler isn't going to be their main guy. I'm not saying he's going to be a workhorse, but it's, I mean, they drafted a guy in the fourth round, and then Justin Jackson is still on, on the roster. There is no one that's going to come in and threaten Austin Eckler for legitimacy on this offense. I mean, last year, Austin Eckler, he, 
he saw the majority of the rushing attempts over the first four weeks before Melvin Gordon came back. But after Melvin Gordon came back, Austin Eckler wasn't seeing a ton of rushing attempts every game. He kills people through the uh, PPR upside in his game. Now, you take into account that he could be their main running back on that team for the next two to three years, not much uh, in contention with the rushing attempts. Maybe he's got a Maybe even if he sees 50% of the team's rushing attempts, he's still going to see about 90% of that team's um, passing work out of that backfield. And that's why Austin Eckler is so awesome to have. So you pair all that, he's got the good production. He signed for another three years. He's only 25 years old. And one thing that makes him special is he's got very low tread on the tires being behind Melvin Gordon for those first couple of years. You know, he's not coming in and he wasn't expected to be a lead back at the age of 22, 23, even 24. He is finally a lead back now. So he's starting like way behind everyone else by the age of 25, which means I think you could expect at least one extra year from him. So I think Austin Eckler could definitely be relevant for the rest of his three years in LA. Um, you have any different thoughts on Austin Eckler? No, they're literally all the same. Uh, I, <laughs> if anything, he's a player that I don't think is getting enough respect in dynasty and redraft leagues. I'm seeing yeah. some RBs go way ahead of him in both that respectively I do not agree with, uh, especially in PPR settings. Like you, like you were saying, he's a, he's a monster. Um, he's one of the best in the NFL at that. Um, he's also very, he's, he's just elite, you know, and, he has no wear and tear. Like you said, there's no, they didn't go out and spend high draft capital on a guy to re- replace him or really have competition for say, and they didn't sign anybody. So it's just really him and him to take the, take the work of the load. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely excited to see how it fares, um, especially over the course of an entire season without Melvin Gordon. But I'm one of those people that like, really firmly believes in Austin Eckler. I have him as my number five PPR running back for redraft this year. And I have him as like my number nine or number 10 running back uh, in dynasty format. So I have full confidence in Austin Eckler. I think getting him in the third round of a dynasty startup is an absolute steal. And he might be the best value on this entire list that we have here. I agree. Uh, So moving on to round four, we're going to stick with the running backs and we are going to go with one of my favorite running backs in recent history, my favorite yes. player from this rookie draft this year, and that's going to be DeAndre Swift of the Detroit Lions. So let me explain myself here. DeAndre Swift is going around the rookie 103 to rookie 105 in most uh, rookie drafts right now, and in a dynasty startup, he's going in the fourth round. Um, he was literally before the NFL Combine happened, and Jonathan Taylor showed everyone what an athletic superhuman he is. Uh, DeAndre Swift was largely thought of of the overall rookie uh, 101 for 2020. You know, he is at at around 480p in a dynasty startup. He is two to three rounds behind previous top selected running backs. So hypothetically speaking, if DeAndre Swift um, landed in a perfect situation and he was going the 101 overall, you know, you compare that to Josh Jacobs, who went 101 last year. Saquon Barkley, who went 101 a couple of years ago, a few years ago when it was between Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey, you know, all of those guys with the exception of, of Leonard Fournette, they're going in either round one or like the very beginning of round two. DeAndre Swift, you're getting in round four. Now, I'm not going to, I'm not saying that he is going to be a world breaking running back like a Christian McCaffrey or a Saquon Barkley, but Josh Jacobs, who is a low end RB1, high end RB2 
it's very well in the range of possibilities for DeAndre Swift. So the fact that you can get a guy like that in round four is, is awesome. You know, he's got legit top 10 upside at a very low cost. Round four seems like the perfect time to pull a trigger on a guy like that. Um, and in my opinion, if he ended up in almost anywhere besides Detroit, a team that has historically had a very tough time with running backs in recent history, I really think that he would be in contention for at least a top two pick this year um, in rookie drafts. Yes, but we talked about it last video. We paid so much attention to a certain player or two in, in landing spots, and it bit us in the butt. So I'm not going to. I'm not going to focus too much on that. I think talent does shine through if the, if the athlete is talented enough. And I do agree that he's very talented. I think him falling that far in, in a startup is definitely a smash draft because of his age, obviously being a rookie. The fact that the other running back on the roster appears to be made of glass and is <laughs> very close to losing his job. No offense to him, of course, wishing the best in his health. But um, the talent's there. I mean, you know that I personally – I'm not – the, as big of a Swift fan as you, but I don't dislike him. Like I, I'm not dumb. I have him in my top two. I, I kind of on the Jonathan Taylor hype train. I also really like Cam Akers more than probably most people, but Swift's right up there. I do think it could be a good year for rookie running backs. And I, I do think if you can get Swift at that value, I, I would definitely do it. Yeah. And another thing with DeAndre Swift is that he might not be the most, I mean, I personally think he's going to have a great rookie year. But the consensus seems to be that he is going to be at least in a 50-50 split with on Johnson for the first year. But the thing with Dynasty is that, yeah, you want to win this year, but you still have to look to the future. And I don't think there's a single person out there that could say positively that DeAndre Swift can't be a workhorse running back, can't be at least the, the 1A of this two-headed monster backfield by the beginning of 2021. And if you can have a guy that's going to be the main running back um, on an offense in the fourth round, especially last year, that Lions offense before Matt Stafford went down with injury was the absolute most effective um, offense probably in the entire NFL. They looked absolutely fantastic when Matt Stafford was playing at an MVP caliber. I think he's going to come back and kind of return to, to pretty similar to what he was playing last year. I have a lot of faith in this, in this offense this year and a lot of faith faith in this offense for years to come. So DeAndre Swift in round four, that seems like an absolute smashing value for me. And I, I love that. I love that all day. I agree. Uh, I mean, I'm, a, I'm the biggest Stafford fan around. That's, that's not actually a Lions fan, as you know. So I'm all for that. Very true. Yeah. Dylan is always beating the drum for Matt Stafford. So he's got to like the Lions players by default. <laughs> um, next up, we're going to move on to round five. Now, I personally don't play in many Superflex Dynasty Leagues. Um, this is obviously not for a Superflex Dynasty League because the guy that I'm about to bring up would not be sitting there at round five if you're playing in a two-quarterback league. I'm talking about Kyler Murray of the Arizona Cardinals. In single quarterback leagues, he is going in round five. Now, I am one of those people that will refuse to draft a quarterback early on draft day in a one quarterback league, but Kyler Murray could be the exception. The reason why is because you want to look at the age, right? So if you can get a young quarterback who is as productive as Kyler Murray was, you're not going to have to worry about getting a new quarterback for your dynasty squad for 
God knows how many years. I mean, Kyler Murray is going to be <laughs> exactly. He's going to be fantasy relevant, um, arguably for the next ten to fifteen years. He's a mobile quarterback, but he can also get it done through the air. They just added DeAndre Hopkins. They're going to have him for God knows how many years. Um, that receiving core they have is so young. That head coach is so young. I mean, that entire team is on the up and up. And the fact that Kyler Murray was able to do what he did in 2019, it shows so much promise for the future. Um, plus, you take into account that he was the first overall draft selection in real life as well. He's going to have some, even if he struggles um, in his in his sophomore year, which I can't imagine he does, but even if he struggles in his sophomore year, I mean, he has that first round, first overall draft capital that's going to keep him afloat for at least the next few years in the NFL and being a mobile quarterback even if he's not getting it done in real life he's definitely going to be getting it done on your fantasy squad um so a, a surprise for me is saying round five Kyler Murray's kind of a steal yeah oh I agree I mean I think he has the weapons as you mentioned there to <laughs> do well well above what we all think is possible for him I mean he has the, the goat Larry Fitzgerald is still there who's still fancy relevant relevant um, DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella, and the list goes on and on. They finally have two good running backs, you know. So, yeah, I think if he's still there and you're in your league around five, you have to accept because he's literally going to be in a roster for like 10, 12, 14 years. Like he's only coming out of your roster or, or out of your lineup when it's a bye week. Other than that, he's staying there for the next 10 years. So, yeah, no, Kyler Murray is definitely a smash draft um, at round five. I mean, a, a lot of these guys, I'm going to say, is a complete smash draft. And the reason why is because I mean, there's a reason why we're calling them complete steals at their ADPs. You know, if they're still sitting there, once that round gets here, you better be smashing the uh, the draft button. But we're moving on to round six, and I got another running back for you. So usually by midway through a dynasty startup, um, especially in these kind of rounds, you're not seeing many running backs floating around that are going to be bringing a lot to the table. Um, but in this case, Devin Singletary has been falling to the early a sixth round in a lot of dynasty startups. And that seems like really, really good value. I mean, Devin Singletary, he's never going to be a guy that offers that top 10 upside. I mean, sure, he might have a big week here or there, but for the most part, he is just a very safe floor RB2. I mean, he's got PPR upside. Clearly, he's got the trust of, uh, of Josh Allen over there in Buffalo. The coaching staff likes him. They, I mean, they brought in Zach Moss, and Zach Moss is essentially going to be taking over that Frank Gore role. But even when Frank Gore was Frank Goring, Devin Singletary, um, you know, Singletary was still skating along with really decent RB2 numbers on a weekly yeah. basis. And whenever he would sneak into the end zone, he'd have very high RB2. So I really like getting him in the sixth round, especially for as a depth and or flex piece. Um, what are your thoughts on Singletary? I was just going to say that he's like the ideal flex player uh, in, in my mind with upside, like, He's never going to get you consistently, like you're saying, like true RB1 like volume by points, but he'll probably consistently get you 12, 10, 12, 13, 14 points a game because he's going to get, he's going to get shares. He's going to score touchdowns and on, on for, for a flex play. I mean, what more can you want? Yeah. And you know what, if, if by any chance he were to take over and completely run away with the, with the starting job, which I, I don't want to say it's, it's, it's not likely but it is possible that something could happen to Zach Moss or maybe Zach Moss doesn't pan out. Devin Singletary has cemented himself uh, as a rookie last year, and he is going to be thought of pretty highly on that team, in my opinion, for a while. So Devin Singletary, a uh, lot of upside there, but the most important thing about him is that uber safe floor as an RB2. 
Agreed. Um, moving on, round seven, we have a tight end, and it's actually going to be uh, TJ Hawkinson of the Detroit Lions. So funny enough that I'm bringing him up after we just talked about DeAndre Swift and Dylan's love for the Detroit Lions because of Matt Stafford. It's just Matt Stafford. That's, that's okay. <laughs> well, I know I was going to let you talk about TJ Hawkinson first, because if there's going to be one person that I feel like you might disagree with me on this list, it might be TJ Hawkinson, because I know you're not a massive fan of him. It's not so much that it's in my Matt Stafford fandom, or fandom, my love for him, uh, as you might put it. Um, he, over the course of his career, really hasn't had that much of a rapport with tight ends, if, if you look like it doesn't speak out. Um, there are other elite quarterbacks who kind of have that, which is weird. You'd always think an elite quarterback, which Matt, Matt Stafford is, would have a great connection with tight ends, and it's not the case with him. Now, they did go out and invest high real-life capital in him when they drafted him, and you invested high capital when you drafted him in our Dynasty League. So for people like you and the Lions fans, the Lions players out there, I'm, I'm sure they're hoping Hawkinson can cash in on what they all hope he can be. Um, I think the talent's there. I think it's just a matter of tight ends, A, take a long time to develop in the league. Most take two, three years to actually blow up or become relevant. Um, two, you got to think Stafford missed time, and they were playing quarterback with who, who God knows who, who, who the guy was. And then third, I think it's kind of like a, like a, a low-key receiving team. Like, you don't think of them as having weapons, but then you peel it back. And, you know, they, they have Kenny Galladay, but they also have Marvin Jones Jr., who's one of the most underrated receivers in football. And now they have a good two-headed monster on running back on paper if they both stay ha uh, healthy, plus TJ Hawkinson. So I feel like he has to work himself into the offense and prove himself valuable. But the value is there, so I do agree with that aspect. Yeah, I feel like round seven is a really good time to take that high upside young tight end. Um, as, as Dylan was mentioning, you know, tight ends take a couple of years to come on. So I don't want to fault TJ Hawkinson for a less than stellar rookie year. Now, a lot of people, myself included, got so ridiculously excited over TJ Hawkinson's week one last year when he put up 25 points and we were like, oh my God, like we struck gold, let's go. Um, and then he, you know, normalized out pretty much for the rest of the season as a rookie tight end. Um, I will say I do expect a much better sophomore season for him. He is absolutely tearing it up in camp right now. Uh, he's getting a lot of praise, which is, which is really cool. But I think round seven is a fair price to pay for a guy like this. I mean, he's so young, and he is in the top ten in most dynasty rankings for tight ends uh, anywhere you look. And I think a lot of that comes from that high draft capital and big promise that we had from him uh, as, a, as a rookie. But I do genuinely think that even if it's not this year, I think by next year in year three, uh, 2021, I think Hawkinson could be – a focal point on this offense. I think he could be the second highest targeted player on this offense behind Kenny Galladay. And I think that he very well could lead this team in red zone targets as soon as the 2021 season. So um, I do think TJ Hawkinson in round seven is a pretty good steal and we're going to move on. Um, round eight, we have Ronald Jones, someone who you and I both like a fairly decent amount ahead of this season. Um, you know, the, the coaches, Bruce Arians especially, believe in him. And I think as long as he tightens up his play style, doesn't make stupid drops, improves a little bit in pass protection, I think Ronald Jones could be the starting running back um, here in 2020. And I think he's going to hold on. If he can do even a half-decent job in 2020, I think he's going to hold on to that job. So you know more than anyone, I'm not a big believer in Keyshawn Vaughn. 
Um, LaShawn McCoy is not threatening anyone. And Dare Agunbawale, whoever the hell you say his name, we're not going to beat that drum. I, I tried going after him last year. Didn't work uh, out. It's not going to work out this year. Um, you know, Ronald Jones, he is a legitimate uh, RB2, in my opinion, this year. And even if there is risk in drafting Ronald Jones, I mean, we're in round eight. You know, it, it, this is the perfect time to take a high-risk, high-reward player. But even in round eight, I wouldn't call it high-risk. No. You know, your worst-case scenario, you botch one of your, your mid-round picks and you say, oh, shucks, I'm going to move on. I just took seven guys ahead of them. We're fine. Best-case scenario, you just got a legitimate, like, top 15, top 18 fantasy running back in round eight if Ronald Jones can put things together. Um, what are your thoughts on Jones? I was double-checking his age real quick. He's super young still, right? He's, yeah, he's, okay. He's 23. So you're also taking a guy who's still only 23. So he has literally another like five years of being an RB2 left if he runs away with a job. Um, so not only if you, you know, struck, uh, struck gold with this pick, you're getting a pick for longevity and now as well, because I agree with you. I personally drafted Vaughn in one of my leagues, but it's only because I have Rojo and it's only a handcuff. I don't believe in Vaughn at all. Honestly, if you, if you dial back and look at most of the rookie running backs, most of them got drafted, if not all of them, and they're already behind somebody on the team. Like, no running back this year got drafted and is already the starter on paper. Like, there's a guy in front of them, including Taylor, Swift, Dylan, Vaughn, Moss. Uh, I forget the Steelers drafted. But, you know, the point is all those guys have a running back in front of them. So most of them won't be threatened. Some of them will. And I think Vaughn – or. Jones is a guy who will not be threatened by the rookie running back they drafted. And as an Eagles fan, I watched McCoy. He had some great years, but there's not much gas left in the tank. I think, <laughs> it, was just, I think it was just a vet coach with a vet quarterback making a safe signing and adding a guy who could help in like do or die scenarios. That's about it. Yeah. I, I really like Ronald Jones moving forward. And like you said, there's not a whole hell of a lot of competition for him. Um, I mean, yeah, if he goes out, kind of shits the bed this year, and then Tampa Bay turns around and spends early draft capital on a running back next year, okay, well, then you'll know that you wasted your eighth-round pick. But in, in my opinion at this point, the risk is so low picking in, in, in round eight. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to consider Ronald Jones a steal at this point in the draft. Uh, moving on to round nine, we got another tight end, and I'm actually going to let you take over this one first since you are a Philadelphia Eagles fan. And we're going to talk about Dallas Goddard. He is an incredible athlete. And the only reason he's not a, a tight end one is because there's already a tight end one on the roster by the name of Zach Ertz. Um, I mean, Goddard, I've been seeing him ranked in top 10 tight ends, which is freaking crazy to believe because he's literally the second on a depth chart behind someone who's already top five, top three on most people's list in tight ends. Um, he's incredibly talented. He already blocks better than Zach Ertz. Uh, that's a good <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, real life, uh, info, but no, um, he's so good. He's still relatively young. Uh, Ertz only has two years left on his contract. Tight ends are kind of like receivers. They can be relevant into their thirties, depending upon how elite they are. And I think Goddard does potentially have that elite play to him. Um, yeah. And at, at this late in the draft, he can literally be your starting tight end or your backup. And he's going to be super cheap. You know, uh, he's, he's, he's young. He's only going to grow up with Carson. So I a hundred percent agree with this. Yeah, the cool thing about Dallas Goddard is that in 2019, he was a top 10 fantasy tight end as, as you were saying, the second tight end option on his own team. 
Um, so imagine that production, but without Zach Ertz this time in a couple of years. I mean, what, to, to your point, you know, we already know that tight ends take a few years to develop. Well, Dallas Goddard is already developed. He's just waiting for that true prime opportunity. I mean, once Zach Ertz is out of there, every, every single thing in the universe is putting Dallas Goddard to being everything that Zach Ertz was and maybe even some more. You know, like Zach Ertz, even with Dallas Goddard on the roster, Zach Ertz has been a top two, top three tight end option. But before Dallas Goddard got there, Zach Ertz was arguably a number one option going back and forth with Travis Kelsey for a couple of years. As soon as Zach Ertz is off that roster, which again, is probably not going to happen for at least a year or two. But as soon as yeah. Zach Ertz is off the roster, Dallas Goddard is without a doubt a bona fide surefire top, at least top five, top six tight end. And the fact that you're getting a top 10 tight end while you're waiting for your top five or top six tight end, it just seems asinine to me that Dallas Goddard is falling all the way to round nine. So couldn't, couldn't agree more on everything that you just said about Goddard. He is such a massive, massive steal at his ADP and dynasty startup. And going on round nine, we got, what's this? We got about six more guys left for you on the list. And, oh, wait, that was round nine. Whoops. Round 10, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I got round nine on the mind. Uh, but round 10, we are moving on to a wide receiver, which we haven't talked about a receiver in a while, I feel like. And that's yeah. going to be Preston Williams. Um, so Preston Williams, very young wide receiver. He was actually undrafted after last season and came in and immediately put on a, a show in quite a couple of uh, the Miami Dolphins games last year before he went down with a season-ending injury. Um, there's tons of potential there, and he is the clear-cut wide receiver two on this offense, could even make a case for the wide receiver one, depending on how you're looking at the production. I mean, when him and Devontae Parker were both healthy, they were having pretty similar levels of production, with Preston Williams actually being a bit more flashy out of the two guys. Um, you combined a young talent with a young quarterback in Tua Tegel, I can't say his last name still, um, combined Preston Williams with potential rapport coming over the next couple of years with, uh, with Tua, and suddenly Preston Williams in round 10 seems like a really good uh, stash wide receiver. And again, we were talking about how Dallas Goddard is a top 10 tight end now and could be a top five tight end. You just got to wait a couple of years. Preston Williams, he could be your wide receiver three now. Wait a couple of years. He could easily be a top, top tier uh, wide receiver two, especially growing alongside with Tua and potentially turning into Tua's number one option in the future. Uh, what are your thoughts on Preston Williams? I agree. Um, I actually like really like the pick. I think Williams has a lot of talent. It's crazy to think that an undrafted wide receiver was averaging like 11 points a game before he tore his uh, ACL or MTL, um, which is incredible because no knock against Fitzpatrick, but his quarterback also was Fitzpatrick. And Tua, as we all know, has a, a much higher ceiling than uh, Fitzpatrick, respectively. So, and age for both of them, like you said, they can grow together and they can develop a very good connection and he could potentially, I mean, I, like, I'm not going to say the sky's the limit because I don't, I'm not sure how good he'll be, but you, you never know truly. And he looked good. He looked pretty flashy for an undrafted rookie. So clearly Miami did something right. And I think Preston Williams is a freaking steal at this point in the draft. Yeah, for sure. And it seems like, you know, as soon as you hit double, double digit rounds in any draft, not even just a dynasty startup in any draft you're ever in, I mean, double digit rounds, that's when you want to take those, high reward players because at this point the risk is 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 minimal um and especially in Preston Williams a guy who was averaging that 10 to 11 points last year per game I mean in, in round 10 that's 
that's pretty much everything you could want for, even if he didn't have future upside. So yeah. Preston Williams, definitely a really, really awesome guy to go and grab in round 10. Um, we got another receiver in round 11, and that's a rookie receiver, Brian Edwards of the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, he was a rookie receiver coming in this year. Uh, he was top 10, top 12 uh, in a lot, of people, a lot of people's dynasty rankings. When he went to the Raiders, he kind of fell a little bit, especially since they went out and they drafted Henry Ruggs as well. But since then, Edwards has been making a name for himself in the NFL, and he hasn't even played a single snap of a real game yet. He has been tearing it up in training camp. The coaches are loving him. Derek Carr has already used the word trust when referring to Brian Edwards. I mean, he used, he used the words trust, Devontae Adams, and Brian Edwards in the same sentence. Put those three things together, and Brian Edwards is definitely going to get some hype around him. I mean, he might be the leading receiver of the 2020 all-hype team right now. Um, but, the, but the fact that Carr trusts him already and they haven't even played a real uh, NFL game together, that speaks a, a ton of volume. You know, he's got a legit chance of being the top-targeted receiver on this offense as a rookie. And granted, I'm not saying he's going to go out and get 100 targets or, or whatever because obviously the ball on this offense is going to be spread around a ton. But – Growing that early rapport with Derek Carr, earning his trust as a, as a rookie over the last month, I mean, that is monumental in itself. Now, I, I, I would almost take Brian Edwards over Preston Williams in round 10 if I thought that I wasn't going to be able to get Edwards in round 11. I mean, to me, he's a steal as early as potentially round nine with the amount of hype going on around him. So the fact that you're going to see Brian Edwards potentially in round 11 of your dynasty startup is absurd. Yeah, I think it'd be crazy to see him that far just because of all the hype, as you're saying. Um, he, he's a guy that I'm a little bit uh, skeptical on. Not the hype. I mean, I think the talent's there. I went and watched some of his uh, draft tapes. I just think, like you said, the ball's going to be spread around, spread, uh, spread around a lot on the Raiders' offense. So that could affect, um, like, year one, year two. But fortunately, it's a relatively wrong, uh, young team, and I'm not sure how much that would affect his uh, play. I just don't know because, you know, currently you look at it, they have Waller, Ruggs, Edwards, Renfro, and Williams already on the roster. Plus, Jacobs came out and said he wants to catch 60 passes, <laughs> which I'm all for as a guy who drafted <laughs> Josh Jacobs in two He's leagues. dreaming on that one. But my, my point is if, if but Jacobs got 45 catches, which still be more, and those other guys are involved because Tyrell Williams is not that bad. Darren Waller is a great tight end. Hunter Renfro actually looked really good his rookie season. Um, Rugs, the hype train's also there on him, given his draft capital in real life. So it's like, it's awesome to hear him like be that praised already initially, especially from his quarterback and teammates. It's just there is no preseason games, which I hate. So he's going to have to earn it via the real NFL season, and I'm not sure how quickly he'll earn it. Is is my only like, you know? I yeah, know. and I, I get that completely. I mean, I definitely don't think he's going to be um, out targeted or I don't think he's going to out-target Darren Waller. Yeah. Um, you know, when I say Brian Edwards is going to be the top receiver on this team, I'm totally exempting yeah, Darren, Darren Waller from there. Um, but I, I personally do have a lot of faith in Brian Edwards. I'm really kicking myself that I didn't go out and draft him in any of my rookie drafts, especially because, you know, I, I had him in my pre-draft, or as soon as the draft was over, I still had him as a top nine, top ten a rookie receiver. So again, kicking myself, I didn't get him, but whatever. If you're in a dynasty startup draft and rookies are available and you see Brian Edwards in round 11, pinch yourself because you might be dreaming. 
<laughs> um, we're going to move on to the steal of round 12. And I'm going to let you take it away on this one because you're actually a little bit higher on him than I am. And that is going to be quarterback Drew Locke of the Denver Broncos. What are your thoughts on Drew Locke? Um, I like him so much. I actually I have like 10 new followers on Twitter that are like Broncos fans. So <laughs> I'm, I'm wearing orange too. Like I'm, I guess I'm low-key representing Locke. Um, no, I think Drew Locke in the small, very small sample size. So even though I'm riding the hype train, I'm, I'm, I'm driving the bus, driving the train. He did play a very small amount of time. So we want to all be skeptical. Um, he could take a step backwards, but you can't even call it a sophomore slump because he only started five or six games this rookie season. So, you know what I mean? Like when, when he plays this season, it wouldn't, wouldn't really be a true sophomore season. He played such a small size, but you also could see maybe some regression kind of how Baker Mayfield didn't start several other games. His rookie year came in, looked really good. You were like, what the hell Browns? Why isn't he playing? Then this past season, he looked not like Baker Mayfield. I don't think Locke will look that bad. I, I just think there are some warning signs for him. Um, but he does escape uh, traffic and escapes the pocket really well. And you can see he's very uh, visual in his play. And I think the most important thing is that offense is, is stacked on paper. Like it's yeah. not even. <laughs> so, and the fact that most of them are young, it, it bodes well for Locke's future, not just short term. Yeah, I, I agree. And it seems like in round 12, I mean, you're not taking Locke as your starting quarterback in round 12. He's your, he's your backup at this point. And he's an awesome guy to have as a backup because he can be that bi-week filler that you need for the first year. And then you're, you're hoping that he develops into something good. And I'm starting to slowly find myself on the Drew Locke hype train. You know, he's a young quarterback, tons of promise. Uh, the whole offense is young with the exception of Melvin Gordon. And he, and he's like, what, 27 years old. Um, plus you combine that with the fact that Denver just has a really decent defense on them. They always have a good defense on them. Um, you know, Drew Locke's going to grow with this offense around him. He's got, like I said, he's got tons of potential, tons of promise. The fact that his receiving core is so young. I mean, he's got Cortland Sutton. He's got Jerry Judy. He's got KJ Hamler. Um, Philip Lindsay is still there. We can't discount him. Plus they got oh, Noah uh, Font and Albert, however you say his last name. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how to, I don't know how to say his last name at all. I wasn't going to say his last name either, but I think it shows their level of trust because do you know who he played with in college, right? He played played with Drew Locke, Locke, right? Yeah. He played with Drew Locke. So they went out and invested draft capital in a tight end. Granted, he's their backup, but he has actually actually pretty good that played with their starting quarterback. So I'm, I'm saying it shows like, this is the guy moving forward in Denver. Like this is the guy, this is, this is their guy. Yeah, there's a lot of excitement to go around right now, and especially since that offense is so young with him. Um, I feel like there, there could be some growing pains because everyone is so young, but I think once they all get on the same uh, page, I think it's going to turn into something really special, and it's definitely going to be an offense to watch over the next couple of years, see how they develop. So we've got round 13. We're moving back to the running backs, and actually – Chase Edmonds of the Arizona Cardinals is entering the list. I think – now, there was some news that came out today. Now, Dylan and I are recording this on Monday, August 24th. You'll be seeing this on Wednesday, August 26th. Um, but today, on Monday, August 24th, there was actually some news came out. And I promise you I had Chase Edmonds written down before this news broke. But Kenyon Drake is in a walking boot right now. Um, yeah, it looks like I don't even like, know that to be honest. Like, yeah, it looks like it's taken Dylan by shock too. Uh, so Kenny Drake is in a walking boot. He's insisting he's fine. Cliff Kingsbury is insisting he's fine as well. Um, there's really not 
any news on it whatsoever besides the fact that he's in a walking boot. So it's something to monitor. Um, Chase Edmonds actually could be the starter in week one if Kenyon Drake can't go. But throwing all of that out, I think Kenyon Drake has a legitimate chance of being the starting running back in Arizona by the 2021 season. So the reasons why I'm saying this is because one, Chase Edmonds, he's very talented. Cliff Kingsbury came out last week, said that Edmonds has what it takes to be a starting running back in this league. Okay, that's awesome. Two, you look at 2019, Chase Edmonds started three games um, before he got hurt. And in those three games, he put up 17 and a half, 14 and a half, and 35 points. Not a bad three-game span at all. Then you take into account that Chase Edmonds, currently counting this season, he has two years left on his contract. Over the next two years, he's only making about $1.6 to $1.7 million. So Arizona is not heavily invested in him right now. But they might be. Because Kenyon Drake is already 27 years old. He's playing on a one-year contract. He's already found himself in a walking boot. And he is he's going to be 28 when they'd have to go and re-sign him. That is a very old age for running backs to get re-signed, especially at a big contract. And Kenyon Drake, since he is finally um, in that echelon of starting running backs for the first time in his career, since he's not with Miami, he's going to expect to make a pretty decent penny. And I just don't think Arizona is going to give it to him if Chase Edmonds is showing similar talents, but will prove to be significantly cheaper, especially at re-sign time. You know, if they're smart and they go out and they re-sign Chase Edmonds next offseason before he technically takes over as the starter, they're going to save so much money. And in an offense led by Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins and that big young receiving group, and they just drafted Isaiah Simmons and everything like that, I mean, they're going to want to save money wherever they can. And I think that's going to be with Chase Edmonds. So Chase Edmonds, round 13, um, not going to offer you a whole hell of a lot this year unless Kenyon Drake goes down with injury. But don't sleep on him to become a starting running back in 2021. I completely agree. My face, as you saw, I was shocked when you said the news. <laughs> I realized I also clicked my brain. It was like, oh, crap, I have him in two leagues as well. So, you know, very happy about that. Well, not happy about that. His injury, of course. But, uh, no, I think Edmonds is very good. And even before those games, he put up monster numbers. When DJ was still on the roster and playing, he was still getting, like, three and a half, four points behind David Johnson. So, talent's there. Um, it's a young coach. Uh, you said talking about saving money. Obviously, Drake's only on a one-year deal and he's done. It makes sense not to re-sign Kenyon Drake. They want to actually have a defense because right now the Cardinals defense looks like poopy. So it's like they probably want to save money where they can, like you were saying, and spend it on defense to go and help Kyler Murray actually win games. Their offense is already stacked, and most of those guys are locked in. So I'm all on the Chase Edmonds train as well. I think he's talented. Uh, I think a young coach, young quarterback, he's still relatively young. He could be relevant for a couple seasons. So you're drafting more for two years from now, but I like it. Yeah. Edmonds is definitely my favorite late round flyer. Um, Now, obviously, as we were saying earlier in dynasty startups, you're going to have a lot more than just 15 rounds, whether it's 15, 20, 25, 30, whatever. Uh, Chase Edmonds in round 13 is going to be one of the best values that you can find. I guarantee that by the time you see this video, his ADP will have shot up by at least a round or two, given the Kenyon Drake news. Um, But as it stands, as of August 24th, his ADP is in round 13. It's a complete steal. And we're going to move on to round 14. we got two more left for you. And the one I'm going to highlight here is Chase Claypool. So Claypool is a guy that I personally am not ridiculously high on, but if I saw him in round 14, I'd do an Irish jig. 
Um, there's, there's a fairly good amount of hype around Chase Claypool um, before he even came into the NFL. Uh, a lot of people thought he was going to go earlier than he did on draft day, but Pittsburgh ended up taking him, and he's doing pretty well in training camp right now. He's getting a lot of praise from his coaches. He's getting a lot of praise from his teammates. And there's not a given chance. I mean, I personally think Pittsburgh will re-sign Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, I feel like they'd be stupid not to. But there's a reason why they're drafting all of these young receivers. You know, they're hoping to continue to keep hitting uh, the jackpot. And they might have just done that in Claypool. You know, he's not going to be one of those guys that is going to show up and be an absolute monster his rookie year. You know, most receivers are going to take two or three years to really develop into their own to really see the opportunity. And I think that's what's going to happen for Claypool. But what happens if the Steelers don't resign Juju? What happens when the Pittsburgh Steelers completely revamp their offense in a year or two when Ben Roethlisberger can't play anymore and it comes time for them to draft a quarterback? You know, they're going to want those young, reliable options available for them. And that's exactly what Chase Claypool could line up to be this time in a couple of years. So round 14, uh, as a wide receiver stash, I really like Chase Claypool. Yeah, I'm not his biggest fan either. And it's uh, kind of me buying into the belief, which it's burned us in the past, like I said, the wrong situation. Um, and not so much for his talent or the Steelers' talent at developing wide receivers. Because the Steelers, if you're a wide receiver in the, NFL, like the draft, the Steelers have some magic, you know, like the from some magic juice there or something because oh, yeah. you know, all the receivers they've drafted have become relevant in the NFL. Um, granted, some of them have requested trades or have, you know, issues with anger, you know, I'm referring to a couple or can't stay healthy <laughs> or have substance abuse. Um, but outside of those, like they're, they're all talented and they already have a couple of young guys on the team being Juju and Deontay Johnson and, and so forth. So it's like, there's some guys there. That's why Claypool's kind of an intriguing pick for me. Uh, but if he's still there that late, like you said, it's not bad to have that depth and just stash it on your roster and hope in a year or two you struck gold. And if not, you wasted your 14th round pick. Boohoo. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we can say it over and over again. I mean, by this time in your draft, you're not having a bad pick. You're either hitting gold or you just have a typical round 14 pick. Um, but I think Chase Claypool is well worth it in round 14. And I, I like that. I like that a lot. So we got one final name for you guys today. It's another wide receiver. He was an undrafted rookie out of college, landed himself in a surprise wide receiver two role on the Green Bay Packers. Um, he's got Aaron Rodgers thrown to him, Devontae Adams lining up opposite of him. Um, I mean, Alan Lazard, he looked pretty good last year when he was called on. He was efficient. Um, he didn't, he only played in, I think nine or 10 games or started nine or 10 games. And he was still able to see about 50 to 55 targets somewhere in that realm. Um, especially with Devin Funches opting out this year, who is going to be the supposed wide receiver two for Green Bay this year. I think there's a lot to like about Lazard and the situation that he's found himself in. You know, he's not the most talented receiver in the world. There's a reason why he went undrafted but he definitely is more talented than he gets credit for. And if he can earn the trust of Aaron Rodgers, which we're hearing pretty good things out of training camp so far, um, there's, there's a legitimate shot for Lazard to offer wide receiver three upside as early as 2020. And getting that in round 15 is just really, really awesome. Um, and if he is able to show out in 2020, they're probably going to keep rolling with him as their wide receiver two uh, for the foreseeable future. 
So this year, it's kind of a make it break it year for Alan Lazard. If he has a, a pedestrian year, they're definitely going to go out, draft a wide receiver too. They're going to move on from the whole experiment or whatever. But since they haven't made any reaches to, to get a new wide receiver, you know, they haven't made any trades. They haven't made a splash in free agency. They didn't even draft a wide receiver yeah. um, in, in the uh, NFL draft this year. I mean, all signs point to them having faith in Alan Lazard to go out and be their wide receiver too, and getting a team's, you know, actual wide receiver too this late in round 15. That's awesome. That's really, really awesome. I couldn't agree more. I think it's a good risk. It's so late that why not? Um, it's good for multiple reasons. It's good if you need, a, you need a receiver. It's good for a handcuff potentially. If you have Adams, if he goes down with the injury, you have the leading guy. Um, it's good because there really is no competition. Like you said, Funchess opted out. Drama Allison signed with division rival uh, the Lions. But he also opted out too, right? Then Allison, yeah, Allison opted yeah, out as well. So, and there's no – not that Jimmy Graham is that relevant fantasy, but he's not there anymore. So there's no experienced tight end to really take away that many targets from, um, from, from him. So it's just – the sky is kind of the limit for him, like behind Devontae Adams, of course. Like he's going to make his own like destiny, so to speak, there. And if Aaron Rodgers likes it, he'll throw you the ball. So, Yeah. So I think it's definitely worth a pick, especially in round 15, uh, to go out, grab Alan Lazard. If he pans out, great. If not – Whatever. So it's round 15. Like your chances are you're going to bust on this pick anyway. You might as well take a guy with high upside. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's funny, actually, before we end this video, I just got a notification here. Uh, Preston Williams, potentially better than ever. I uh, don't really know what that means considering he's been in the league for uh, what, not even a year and a half. He's already good when he played. But. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that goes to show Preston Williams a couple of rounds ago. He's, he's getting tons of, uh, tons of training camp hype. So go out, take him. Um, but anyway, go out and get all these guys. You know, if you want your an absolute steal in every single round, follow this list. You know, everyone has differing opinions, but these are the guys in mine and Dylan's opinions that you can go out and the reward outweighs the risk. Or these are just guys like Chris Godwin and DJ Moore at the very beginning that you're going to be able to have for a very long time and utilize as your wide receiver one uh, for God knows how many years. Um, but Dylan, thank you so much for coming on oh, here with me today, man. It's so much fun. A thousand percent going to have you on again. We're not just right. doing two and done. Uh, I'm dragging your ass back on here, whether you right. like it or not. <laughs> I like it. I I'm all for it. And sorry if you hear howling in the background. I think my dog's howling at the mail truck or something. So. No, it's okay. Miller Miller's one of my favorite dogs out there, so we'll <laughs> give him a pass. Um, but thanks again, guys, for tuning in to the Dynasty Stock Market here on the Fantasy Stock Exchange today. Uh, I will be back on Sunday with the weekly Dynasty Rises and Fallers. And of course, I will be back again next Wednesday uh, to do the main Dynasty show. Thanks, guys.